Hi, I want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions, Mark chapter 14. We're going to be studying together this week, an amazing chapter of Scripture. We're continuing to study together Jesus' final week. We've talked about what happened on Sunday and then Monday and then Tuesday, the last couple of weeks, the teaching day of Jesus. Wednesday is a day of rest, and then towards the end of that day, or for the Jewish people, the beginning of the next day, remember their day would begin at 6 p.m. our time, towards the end of that day for us, there comes, uh, there comes these final moments in the life of Jesus as he prepares to go for the cross, as he prepares to give himself for us. And as we walk through this chapter, Mark chapter 14, we're going to see Jesus Christ entering Jerusalem once again. But this time, it's not as a king, it's not as a priest, it's not as a prophet. He's entering as the Lamb of God. Actually, there are two side-by-side pictures of Jesus on this day. He is the Lamb of God, but he also shows himself very clearly to be the shepherd of men. It's interesting that this picture of Jesus as the Lamb is a picture that comes during the Passover celebration for the Jewish people. On this day, Passover is only two days away, and the leaders we see are actively looking for a way to kill Jesus because of their jealousy. But they're concerned that because this great Passover celebration, which is like our Christmas celebration where so many people would gather because there's so many crowds at that time in Jerusalem. They're concerned about what might happen. So here is Jesus in Jerusalem. Here's the Passover about to happen. Here are the spiritual leaders wanting to kill Jesus. And here they are all at a party together. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 to 11. A man by the name of Simon throws a party, and they're all there. And look at what happens. Mark 14, let me read for you verses 1 to 11. Now, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him, but not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them any time that you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Here is this incredible moment in Scripture at this party where this woman breaks this expensive jar filled with more expensive perfume and just pours it over the head of Jesus. Here's here's the question that is behind these verses, the personal question in my life and in your life. What would you do if you abandoned your reservations about appearance and allowed yourself an unreserved expression of love for God? What would you do? What this woman did is she broke the jar and she poured out the perfume. Now, why did she do this? 
we somehow sometimes miss this unreserved expression of love and go straight to the why. Why break the jar? Why pour the perfume? Why did she do this? She may not have fully known what she was doing, but Jesus certainly did. She may have only been following an intuition, a spiritual intuition, but Jesus knew exactly what she was doing. When a body was prepared for burial in this day, perfumes were poured over the body and the container was broken and placed beside that body. Jesus says to the crowd that was there, this woman has prepared my body for burial. Everyone else was arguing about what Jesus' place in history was going to be. The disciples didn't understand about the cross and his death. And I'm not sure that this woman even fully understood. But somehow she was motivated to do this by God's Spirit. And in doing this, she recognized that Jesus was about to die. And she prepared his body. And what were the results of this? What were the results of this lavish love that this woman expressed on this day? There were three results. First of all, Jesus says it's a beautiful thing. There was the result of this expression from Jesus that it's a beautiful thing what she has done. In fact, this would be her only opportunity to prepare Jesus' body for burial like this. Miss this moment and she would miss it. In another day, he would be on the cross and then he would be dead. Miss this moment and she would miss it entirely. Now, this is why sometimes we misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. This is where he says the poor you will always have with you. And some people misunderstand that to mean it's okay to have the poor with you. You can't do anything about this problem, so don't try to do anything about this problem. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's saying, do what you can for them. But he's also saying, what she has done for me in this moment, there was only this moment to do it. I found personally that there's always a good reason not to do the right thing. There's always a good reason not to show extravagant love. But this woman did the right thing, motivated by, by God's Spirit. Regardless of what other people thought of her in that moment, she knew it was the right thing to do. And so she expressed this love to Jesus. And Jesus says, this is a beautiful thing. There is beauty in what she is doing. I want that in my life, that, that kind of beauty, the beauty of expressing love for God in unreserved ways. It was a beautiful thing. A second result that came out of this was the result of a good example in fact, a good news example. Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done is going to be told. And we're telling it right now. Right now, we're studying through the gospel of Mark, and we're talking about this woman and what she did 2,000 years ago. Jesus knew somehow that this story would be included in the gospels. And he knew, as we do, that God's word is eternal. And so her example is an example that will last forever. What she did was done in a moment, but her example is going to last forever. Her example has shown many, many people the way to the good news of Jesus Christ. That regardless of what other opinions might be of you, what others' arguments might be about Jesus, regardless of the judgmental attitude of others, you and I can love him. That relationship with him can be a relationship that begins now and goes all the way into eternity. And so Jesus says, this is a good example. But there's a third there's a third result to what the woman did that day. It was a beautiful thing. It was a good example, but it was also a final motivation. It was a final motivation for Judas to betray Jesus. Judas sees what is done that day, and then the next verse says he goes out and he says, I'm going to betray Jesus to the chief priests. One of the other gospels fills this in a little bit for us and tells us that Judas's motivation here is anything 
but pure. Judas was the treasurer for the disciples, and they eventually discovered that he stole money from that treasury. He was a greedy man. And he is the one here who talked about, one of the ones who talked about money being given to the poor, but he didn't care about the poor. He really wanted it for himself. Why couldn't I get that money? And so Judas, because of what was done by this woman, and it was so different than his values, it was the final straw. It was the final motivation. He goes out to betray Jesus. And it's very fitting that they offer him money in that betrayal. Now, we'll talk later this week about what all the twisted motivations of Judas might have been, but one of them was certainly money. It may not have been just the money, but one of them was money. He was a greedy man, and that greed eventually ate up his heart, ate up his life. Now, there's a There's a very challenging question in this story, and it's how am I thinking? How am I thinking in this moment in my life? Am I thinking more like this woman or more like Judas? Am I thinking more expression of extravagant love or more let's be careful? Let's be so careful that maybe we tie down any kind of expression like that. But really what's behind it is my selfish desire to hold on to things in my own life. You see, Judas was resistant to God's plan, and that colored everything. Whether his resistance came from his selfishness with the money or came from confusion or not being able to understand what Jesus was doing, he lived with this tortured, self-centered thought of doubt because he couldn't believe. And this woman trusted God's plan. She didn't see all of it. She didn't understand all of it. There was still probably some confusion for her, but the focus for her was not on her confusion. The focus was on Jesus, and so she intuitively did the right thing. Lloyd John Ogilvie says about this story, like most of you, there is a part of me which says boldly, yes, and a part of me that says, be careful, count the cost. We are all a mixture of the impulse to let go and follow Christ as the Lord of our life and love others with with extravagance and a repulsion at the price of costly involvement. There are opposing forces tugging at your soul right now. That's true for me. That's true for you. What do I do about those opposing forces? I recognize that Jesus Christ is with me right here, right now. And because he loves me, he can motivate this new kind of love in my life. So let's ask him to do that. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I pray that you would help me to see the people and the circumstances in my life through your eyes. Judas saw through eyes of greed. The others there that day saw through eyes of indignation. But you saw this woman's heart. I can't see hearts like you can see hearts, but I can follow you as the one who sees hearts. You see my heart. You see the heart of every person I'm going to meet today. I can trust you. Help me to choose to do that moment by moment today. I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Join us tomorrow as we continue through Mark 14. We're going to talk about what happened in the upper room. 